0: Hey everyone, it's Pastor Mike. Before we get to today's episode, I want to encourage you with another one of our podcasts that take you deeper into God's Word. After listening here, please check out Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. Amber's one of our bloggers and writers, and she's amazing at helping you navigate life's challenges by keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Amber is a sister in Christ, really mature, really honest, really funny, a really good friend of mine, and I know she's going to encourage you with her message. Just search for little things wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, it's me, Pastor Mike, and I have some really exciting news to share. Some incredibly generous friends of Time of Grace have offered a $400,000 challenge grant. That means that your financial gift will go twice as far in helping us connect more people to the unfailing love of Jesus. And when you support this challenge grant, we would love to send you our brand new 11 week prayer journal. It's called God's Love is Forever a combination of devotions from God's sacred word and guided prayers. This will connect you to the true belief that no matter what happens in life, God's love will always be there. If you're the kind of person who loves those peaceful Christian Christmas songs, the ones where the, the stars twinkle in the sky above that little manger with the peaceful baby and the cows are lowing but not too loud to wake him up. Uh, the ones that you just can push play and take a deep breath, just relax your mind after the end of a long, stressful day, and just sense this heavenly peace washing over your soul. If, if, if you like songs like that, you are going to hate today. Uh, today, I want to take you deep into one of Christmas' classic songs called Hark, the Herald Angels Sing. And I just want to warn you up front as a pastor, this song is the exact opposite of all of that. A Way in a Manger has zero time, or I should say, has a lot of time for the stars and the baby Jesus and the cows and his beautiful mother. Uh, Hark, the Herald Angels Sing has zero time for that. Uh, There's some Christmas songs that spend about half of the measures and the beats with Gloria. Let's do it again, Gloria. Hey, I want a third time, Gloria. Hark says no, no. (laughs) Those are precious measures. I only got so many beats until this song ends, and I want to fill your heart with something much more than repetition. Uh, I want to warn you up front today that this is not the Sunday to relax. Uh, if you're watching at home and you got your phone out, and you're kind of two screening it. This is the moment where you need to shut your phone off and put it away. If you're slouching in your chair, I need you to sit up straight. If your pen is somewhere else, I need you to grab it, click it, grab a bulletin, get ready to take notes because what we're about to study is the opposite of a theological twinkie. All right, it's not light, it's not fluffy, it's not convenient, it's not easy. It's more like a like a, a barrel-aged bourbon stout. <laughs> it's or a, a rich Robust Cabernet. You don't chug it, you don't slam it, you sip it, and you shouldn't drink too much of it too fast. What we're about to study actually has so much theology and so much meaning and so much depth that I'm going to spend this entire message, not with some fancy introduction, but digging in verse by verse by verse, all three verses of what I think is the most profound and perhaps spiritually helpful song that Christmas has to offer. I want to warn you because your brain is going to need to work, but I also want to entice you because if your brain is willing to do the work, your heart might just reap the rewards. Because this song, which was written by Charles Wesley back in the early 1700s, is about to offer you this. If there's just 1% of your heart that wonders where you're at with God, if maybe you started following Jesus too late, or there's just too much in your past to get over and past, Hark wants a word with you. If you're one of those people who feels misunderstood and overwhelmed, like your mom doesn't get it, your dad doesn't get it, your best friend doesn't get it, what you're going through, the stress and the pressure, the day-to-day things that you feel, if that's you. This song wants to speak to you. And if you're one of those rare people who's actually thought not just about life, but about death, if you've come to -to face-to-face with your own mortality because of a sickness or age or you've just realized that maybe there's more behind you than in front of you, and if that makes you feel uneasy or uncertain instead of excited and exuberant, man, this is the perfect song for you. So I'm not going to promise you the next few minutes are going to be easy or convenient. This is not the church service to relax. Instead, I need you to power up your brain as much as you can, slam that coffee real quick, Because I want to unpack for you the words of this classic song, Hark, the Herald Angels Sing. I I think if you pay attention, you will not regret it. Back in 1739, Charles Wesley was reading this verse from the Bible, and it inspired him to write this classic song. In Luke chapter 2, he found these words Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host, host means army, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Who was speaking to the shepherds about Jesus' birth, and all of them together were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Those are the verses that inspired this song. And now, if you're ready, here's what the song says. Verse 1. Hark, the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful, all you nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the very first word. Do you know what it means? Hark is an old school English word that essentially means hey, pay attention. Uh, Actually, if we were doing the grammar right, it should be quotation marks, hark, exclamation point, end of quotation marks, the herald angels sing, comma, quotation marks again, glory to the newborn king. When the angels showed up, they were saying, hey, shepherds, pay attention, don't miss this. What we're about to tell you is really, really big news. Hark just means, hey, which technically means if you go to school tomorrow or you go to work, you could say to your buddy, hark, (laughs) look at this TikTok video I made, (laughs) right? It just means, Pay attention to this. And the herald angels are saying, hark. The word herald is not a man's name, H-A-R-O-L-D. This is H-E-R-A-L-D, which is just a way of saying messenger. So God sent a whole army of messengers, not just one, a whole army of them from heaven, and they said to humanity, hark, hey, I know you're busy, but don't miss this. Glory to the newborn king peace on earth and mercy mild. And here's the phrase I want to direct your attention to, God and sinners reconciled. You know, I first studied the lyrics of Hark the Herald Angel Sing. I went back home after a long day at work and there was my family and sometimes my family, if you're the kid of a pastor, you know, what this is when Pastor Dad comes home and he's more pastor than Dad. He starts preaching at you because he's been studying all day. So I'm like unloading on my kids. Like, oh, this song, it says this and there's this and there's this part and this phrase and this. And I get to the end of it, barely taking a breath. And when I finally pause, my 13-year-old Maya, she interrupts me and says, well, Dad, you're not going to have time to talk about all of that. <laughs> so I guess you're going to have to pick your favorite part. So I'm going to take her advice and talk about my favorite part. And here's what it is. God and sinners reconciled. Have you ever stopped to think how absolutely, relationally incompatible you and God are? Has it ever struck you that by your very nature, you are not God's type? You might be the black sheep of your family or the best of the bunch. Uh, you might have been super religious your whole life or brand new to this. You might have tons of regrets or a few, but because you and I are human, and because humans are flawed, and because on our, even our best days we stumble and we sin, we should be so far apart from it. The difference between you and me and God is greater than the difference between you and me and the sun in the sky. Right? Could you stand on the surface of the sun? Uh-uh. There's something about the way the sun is and the way that we are that just doesn't fit together. If you put on SPF 1,000, could you make it? If you tried harder, wore the right clothes? No, there's something about you and it that can't fit together. And the Bible says the same thing is true spiritually with us and God. He's not just like the best version of us. He's not like 50% nicer and 75% wiser. The gap between humans and the holiness of God. Like he, he blazes with love and patience and goodness. He, he is good with a, a caps lock, G O O D. He, he is infinitely wise and pure and holy. And because he is so good, even if you're the best of us here on earth, you are light years away. And that's why the angels are saying, Hark! You're not going to believe this. God and sinners reconciled. This newborn king, Jesus, was born to bring peace to people on earth. So we wouldn't panic and think there was no chance. So we wouldn't just hope for the best that God forgot about the bad things that we did. Jesus was born, he lived, and then he died. So that this crazy phrase could be true. Me and you, God and sinners. Reconciled. (laughs) Yeah, I recently heard that uh, Oprah, back in 2013, was giving this uh, speech at Harvard. And in the speech, she was telling these really intelligent, uh, talented graduates something about human beings. Uh, Oprah, in her very, very long interviewing career, had met all kinds of people, multiple presidents. Pop stars, military heroes, and she revealed that after her interviews were done, almost everyone, no matter who they were, asked her the exact same question. Once the camera stopped filming, once the microphones were cut, people would lean into her. President Bush leaned in and asked her. President Obama leaned in and asked her. Beyonce leaned in and asked her the exact same question. The question was Was that good? Did I do okay? In fact, she said one time Beyoncé is given a show. You can imagine the Oprah crowd going crazy for Beyonce. I mean, she kills it, she got the backup dancers, everyone's going wild, you know, like she's their she's their idol. The camera's cut. Beyonce hands the mic to Oprah, and what does she say? Was that okay? (laughs) And Oprah pointed out to these Harvard students, it doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter how talented you are. Doesn't matter how beautiful you are, how powerful you are. You could be the president. You could be the the queen bee. You could be anyone. But at the end of the day, there's this voice inside of the human heart that whispers Am I okay? Did I do good enough? And if we ask that about Oprah, imagine God. And that's why the angels are. A whole army of them came with news that was so good that Jesus was born so that you and God could be good. Now, some of you, you can't get past that one thing in your past. The one thing you said before your dad died. Uh, That one moment of infidelity in your relationship. The words that just haunt you in the back of your brain. Others of you came to church so late in your life, you just have a A wrecked relational history, and there's no rewind button to fix it. For a thousand different reasons, all of us, with a whisper or a shout in our heart, wonder Am I okay? Here's the angel's answer If you have Jesus, God leans in and says, We're good. If the problem with God and you was sin, light years of sin, and if Jesus came to take every last bit of it away, then there's nothing in the way of you and God being good. You're safe. You're saved. You can sing with the angels. This is why it says, Joyful, all ye nations rise. I don't care. Where you're from, you could be Asian, you could be American, you could be Mexican, you could be Hmong, wherever you are from, get up with joy, sing with the angels, Christ has been born, the Savior of the world who makes God and sinners reconciled. And that's better than a bunch of cows, isn't it (laughs) And that's just verse 1. Give me a thumbs up if you're ready for verse 2. All right. You shouldn't have put your thumbs up because verse 2 is the toughest of all. <laughs> uh, verse 2 is actually so deep, I have a hunch about half of you will need a dictionary to understand it. Uh, so let me give you a clue to what it's all about. Verse 2 is simply trying to tell you who Jesus is. And the simple answer to that question is Jesus is God and human in one person. God, human, one person, that's Jesus. Jesus. In the lobby after church, I'm going to tap some of you on the shoulder. I'm going to give you a pop quiz, but you're going to be prepared for it because I'm going to ask you who is Jesus, and you're going to tell me God and human in one person. Humanity and divinity, that's Jesus. A divine nature and a human nature, that's Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 in the New Testament described that Jesus in this way it says, Jesus, being in very nature God, he's God from his very nature was made in human likeness. So he was made human. The Father never became human. The Holy Spirit never became human. But Jesus, God the Son, became human. God, human, one person. That's what Hark, verse 2, wants to tell you. Here are the words. Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. You catch it? Right, Jesus is God. He, he's not just a guy, he's God. I think this verse says that in six different ways. First, he's by the highest heaven adored. Go to heaven. Go to the highest ranks, the most experienced angel, and that angel is adoring someone that's even higher than him, who's Jesus, which must mean that Jesus is God. Number two, he's everlasting. He lasts forever, no beginning, no end. He's eternal, unlike any created thing or human being, which means he's God, he's the Lord which means he's the ultimate authority. He gets the last word, which must be God. If you see Jesus, you see the Godhead. That's a fancy phrase that just means God. He's called the incarnate deity. Deity is a word that just means God. And his nickname is Emmanuel. So E-L in Hebrew means God. So if you have a name like Michael or Rachel or Nathaniel or Daniel, the Hebrew name God is in your name. Emmanuel is just Hebrew for God with us. So who was the one who was with us? God. Emmanuel. So one, two, three, four, five, six different ways this verse is trying to say to you, hey, if you think Jesus was just a nice guy, uh-uh, he's God. If you think he just started some religion 2,000 years ago, nope, he's more than that, he's God. If you think he was a wise teacher who taught us to love our neighbor, turn the other cheek, be nice to our enemies, those things are all true, times a million because he is God. And? He's human. Did you catch that too? It says, late in time behold him come. So in time, God is outside of time and space but he entered into it and I could be wrong about this but I think late in time means that Jesus was born as a human later than Old Testament believers thought. So it's kind of a quirk of the Hebrew, Adam and Eve when they had their first kid, Cain, they thought he was going to be the promised Messiah because God made them that promise. No, the Messiah was a little bit later than that. And Abraham thought he was right around the corner and David wrote songs about the coming Savior. Isaiah had all these prophecies 700 years before it happened. So later in time, God kept his promise, but later than expected, behold, here God is coming in human flesh. He's the offspring of a virgin's womb, born of a woman named Mary, a human because he is human. I love this line, veiled in flesh, the Godhead seed. Wives, how many of you wore a veil on your wedding? Quick Quiz. Yeah you know what a veil does? Um, a veil You can like see a veil, but you can see something else behind a veil. And so veiled in flesh means that if you look at Jesus, you could see his flesh. He's a human being, his hands, you could give him a hug, you could shake his hand, touch his feet. And yet behind his humanity, you could see something more, veiled in flesh. The Godhead Sea. When Jesus would walk on water, you would see his body and say, He's not just like my buddies. Like he's so much more. When he would multiply fishes and loaves, you would say, Um, my brother can't do that. (laughs) So behind his humanity, you could see his divinity, veiled in flesh, the Godhead sea. Hail the incarnate deity. Deity means God, incarnate. There's a word to impress your friends with next time you're out for a drink. Incarnate means in flesh. So a carnivore is something that eats flesh. Incarnate is God in flesh. If you speak Spanish, carne means flesh or meat. Incarnate deity is a way of saying God in human flesh. And finally, pleased as man with man to dwell. So he dwelled with us as human beings, but he was truly man. God, man, one person, that's Jesus. Give me a double thumbs up if you got it. If you don't, I'm going to start over and it's going to take a long time. <laughs> now, <laughs> some of you are not going to say this out loud, but you're thinking, boring. <laughs> that, that part was kind of boring. <laughs> Thank you for the technical definition of who Jesus is. It seems, you know, theological and technical, but I would tell you this. When you think about it, it is actually profoundly emotional, spiritual, and beautiful. Um, I thought of this theological truth Last summer, uh, my family and I took this epic road trip. Uh, we stopped in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We went to this incredible museum of the American Revolution, and there we saw, with our very own eyes, the tent of George Washington. You should really Google this for over 250 years, the tent of George Washington has been passed on, bought and sold by, by pastors and slaves and people. it's actually made it. They have it on display. At this museum. But before the curtain came up and we got to see the tent, we got kind of the museum hype about it. And to be completely honest, I kind of thought they were overselling it more than just a little bit. The printed brochure is like an unforgettable experience that will move you to tears. (laughs) I thought, I dare you. (laughs) I should not have dared them. (laughs) Before the curtain comes up, this video starts playing. It tells the story of George Washington and the Revolutionary War, that he's this really respected, gifted general. But instead of, you know, living, dwelling away from his soldiers, he sets up his tent right in the midst of them. And even though he could have been at, at Mount Vernon, even though he could have run away to the comfort of family and friends, and he didn't. When the winters were bitterly cold, right there in the midst of them, was the general when the summers were sweltering sweaty hot he didn't run for cooler climates he stayed right in the midst of them who who does that it's like the ceo of the company having a cubicle in the midst of the interns instead of the corner office this is like mom and dad sleeping on like the camping mats that deflate in the middle of the night while the little kids are in the master bedroom who Who has the authority and the position but gives it up for the sake of others? And I'm I'm hearing about George Washington, but my, my Christian brain is thinking of Jesus. Like, who had all the comforts of heaven and gave it up to dwell among his people? Who had every right to escape from the pain of the human experience but instead chose to enter in it so he could lead us to a great spiritual victory. Who would do that? George did it for a little bit. God in human flesh did it for 33 straight years. (laughs) As I'm thinking about the profound humility and beauty of Jesus, of course, that's the time when the music swells and the curtain comes up and and the lights flash on and I'll show you a picture of what I looked at, the tent of General George Washington. It was stunning. It was moving. The brochure did not oversell it. And hark the herald angels sing isn't overselling Jesus either. Hail, worship him. Bend a knee and weep next to the manger of Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, would be made in human likeness? The Bible says that because Jesus did that, he gets you. I think it's Hebrews chapter 2, says that he himself suffered when he was tempted. He knows what it's like to feel human weakness. Have you been hungry? Jesus was too. Thirsty? Yep. Tired? Yep. You ever had a long, exhausting day? You just collapsed at the end of it? Jesus did. You ever had drama with your family? Jesus did. Ever been betrayed by a friend? Jesus did. Ever been hurt by the church? Jesus did. Ever been taken out of context? Your words twisted? People thinking about things about you that simply are not true? You ever felt pain? Excruciating pain? Torturous pain? Because God didn't stay comfortable in heaven, but made his dwelling among us, because he was Emmanuel, God with us, he gets it. The Bible says he sympathizes when you're hurting, he feels compassion when you're suffering. When you've been through it, you are not the first. Your your pain is not ununderstandable because Jesus took on human flesh. He's God, human with us. Man, that, that thought makes you want to say am- amen and sing, but I got one more verse to cover today. Here's what it says. Hail, the heaven born Prince of Peace. Hail, the Son of Righteousness! Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. It it is not fair that I only get to talk about one thing in this verse. It's not. You all should cancel your lunch plans. whatever television station you're watching this on, just (laughs) keep the clock running. There's so much gold here about Jesus and the peace he offers and the light he offers and the life he offers and the healing he offers, but sadly, I don't have time for all that. I have to pick just one thing today and I'm going to pick the last line that Jesus was born to give them, to give you, second birth. If I asked you in the church lobby who was Jesus, you would say, God, and man in one person if i asked you why was jesus god and man in one person this would be a great answer he was born to give me second birth it's a technical bible term you might have heard of the phrase being born again same idea the concept is that when someone is born they're pushed into a whole new kind of life right you probably don't remember this your mother does The first time you were born, you were pushed by her into a whole new kind of existence. Brand new life outside the womb. Everything was different. The Bible says that when you're born again, not your mother, but the Holy Spirit pushes you spiritually into a whole new kind of life where everything is different. What you value is different. What you love the most is different. How you think, how you behave, what you believe. This is really Bible slang that's talking about being a Christian. Repenting of sin, trusting in Jesus. The reason he came is that so you could have a whole new kind of life, and I'm going to steal a kind of a famous phrase that I didn't invent that says this, when you're born just once, you die twice. But if you're born twice, you only die once. Can you crack that riddle? born just once you're just born physically but you have no spiritual connection to Jesus you're not born again you will die physically of age or cancer or an accident or whatever and then because there's no savior to save you you will die eternally you'll be separated from God you're not good enough to stand in his presence no matter how good you might feel but <laughs> If you come to faith in Jesus and you're born again, if you have not just a physical birth but a spiritual rebirth, you only die once. You still die physically. The cancer still comes to Christians. The tragedy still happens to believing families. But after that death is over, there is no second death. There is just eternal life. The reason the news of Jesus is such good news that the angels want your attention is because if you Look at the birth of Jesus and then his life and then his death and then his resurrection. What you end up with through faith is a second birth. Yeah, I'm not sure if this uh, is hitting me more just because I'm statistically over halfway dead. I'm 42 years old and, and if you're 60, you're going to blow off this comment, but I, I feel my age Every day in a way that I did not five years ago. I see it on the wrinkles that my daughters love to count when I put them down for bed. The gray hairs three weeks after a haircut. I feel like I need another haircut. I feel it in my back after I work out. My lack of flexibility. My my body is changing. My mind is forgetting things. The other day, I was typing up a sermon, and I had to increase the zoom on the screen to be able to (laughs) read it. like I feel it. And, and I realize this that, that, that time is coming, and maybe it's already come, where most of my life is behind me. And you might be 15 here today, and it seems like it doesn't apply to you, but you will blink and you will not be 15. And you might just be praying to, for your little kid to get through the night. You're going to wake up one day, and that kid's going to be driving you in the car. Right? Life flies by. And so sooner or later, and maybe you're at this point where you really start thinking about big questions about life and death and what happens next, this song is reminding us that if you have Jesus, you are one step closer to your pain being done forever. Like, <laughs> if you have Jesus, you might have anxiety, and maybe it's not getting better and it's not going away, but you are literally one day closer to the end of anxiety. If you're grieving the loss of someone you love, compared to last Sunday, you are one week closer to being done with your grief. If your back hurts, if you deal with the trauma of war, if, if you struggle from something that happened to you as a kid when you were growing up, if you have Jesus, you are one day closer to the end of it. We make these, uh, these little kids make these chains coming down to Christmas Day. I think we should just, we wouldn't know how long to make it. We should make a chain for our pain every day. One day closer. One day closer. Until I get to put my hand on the doorknob of eternity and, and a kind of light and love and healing and life and happiness. that I can't even fathom on this life. That is mine forever. Without Jesus, I didn't stand a chance at it. I would have died twice. But because of Jesus, you and I, no matter what your story, your sin, your struggle, your past, your brokenness, if you come to Jesus, if you believe in him, that could happen right now for some of you for the first time ever. You would only die once and receive in his name the gift of eternal life. <laughs> it makes you think, uh, last year I was at this Church service visiting uh, in another city, and the pastor invited all the little kids up for the children's message. You ever seen something like that? And all these kids come up, but apparently, this toddler who was sitting right behind me and my family, he did not want to go up. And I was close enough to hear the uh, parents have you ever had a whisper argument with your kid in church? (laughs) So it's happening, like, go, go, go up. It's like, I don't want you. Like, no, go up. Mm -mm." So little kid, stubborn, just sits there in the pew. He's not moving until (laughs) until the, the very first line of the pastor's message where he says, This, quote, kids, I'd like to give you some candy. <laughs> and I kid you not, this little guy, he, he's like Usain Bolt out of that little pew. He jumps up, he scooches past, takes a hard left, and he, he literally hurls his entire body like a major leaguer sliding into second because he wanted a gift that was so good and it was so free and it was so close. I just want to say that's like Jesus. Maybe some of you are reluctant about church and the Bible and, you know, there's these rules. You're supposed to give money and it has this different ethic of sexuality and marriage and you sit there and you don't want to, you don't want to surrender. You don't want to be all in for Jesus. And before it's too late, I just want to tell you this. Whatever, whatever it costs you to follow him, what he is offering you is, is infinite. It's eternal eternal. This world can make you happy in bits and starts. The likes and the love and the the loot works for a little bit, but what Jesus is offering you is forever. Today could be your day to come to Jesus, to receive the light of the world, to be born again, a whole new kind of life where you give up a little, but you gain so much more. Some smart angels. Hark! Hey, you and God, good. God and man, Jesus in one person, born so that you could be born again. What a song and what a savior. Let's pray. Oh, God, this news is, it almost feels too good to be true. Um, if there was some commercial, some YouTube ad, that told us our pain would be over forever. We wouldn't believe it. We'd skip it. <laughs> but you are telling us that maybe not today or tomorrow or next year, but you have promised us a life of happiness and peace and hope and joy. That seems hard to believe, God, and so give us the faith to believe it. That for all of us who follow Jesus, we are one step closer to a happiness that words simply could not describe. God, I'm praying, I'm praying big for people here today who are just un- uncertain. They've been watching at home. They've been coming to church. They're not all in with Jesus. Open their eyes to see that what he is offering is infinitely better than everything this world treasures. And I pray, God, that you would hold on to us in the difficulties of this earth. Jesus, you know what it's like. You know what it's like to be here and to walk in our shoes. You did it for 33 straight years. So sustain us and strengthen us. Give us everything that we need to get up in the morning with joy and to lie down at night with peace. We pray all these things, God, with confidence and with hope, because we know who we are, those who have been born again, and we know who you are, our Heavenly Father who's given us new life. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Great message today, Pastor Mike, on a Christmas carol packed with significance about Jesus' birth and what it means for us as his children. This Christmas season, some generous friends of Time of Grace have offered a $400,000 challenge grant. That means your gift goes twice as far. And as a special thank you, we'd love to send you this 11-week prayer journal called God's Love is Forever. Supplies are limited, so request yours today. Hey, it's me, Pastor Mike, and I have some really exciting news to share. Some incredibly generous friends of Time of Grace have offered a $400,000 challenge grant. That means that your financial gift will go twice as far in helping us connect more people to the unfailing love of Jesus. And when you support this challenge grant, we would love to send you our brand new 11-week prayer journal. It's called, God's Love is Forever. A combination of devotions from God's sacred word and guided prayers, this will connect you to the true belief that no matter what happens in life, God's love will always be there. We do have a limited number of God's love is forever. Request your copy while supplies last. You can call us at 800-661-3311, visit timeofgrace.org, or write us at PO Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53201. Nothing matters more than connecting people to God. Like that anxious teenager scrolling on her phone, who doesn't really know who Jesus is, or that family that might look good from a distance, but they're barely keeping it together. Or that Christian going through chemo, who needs to know that she is gonna see the face of God. Nothing matters more than connecting people just like that to the God of forgiveness, love, and power. And that is exactly what Grace Partners do. Grace Partners give regularly and generously to Time of Grace. Join me today in becoming a Grace Partner. Time of Grace doesn't end here. Visit timeofgrace.org and explore encouraging resources or sign up for our daily email and have everything delivered right to your inbox, like our Grace Moments devotions, Grace Talks devotional videos, blog, and podcasts. Follow us on social media, where you'll find a supportive Christian community. Do you need prayer? Contact us and let us know what's on your heart. Thank you so much for your support. See you next week on Time of Grace.